Welcome to a special episode of Music for Life, a program which explores the purpose and value of music to humanity's enrichment. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. This is another of our special episodes that I've titled Pre-Concert Talks. These episodes air the week of a concert at Armstrong Auditorium here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and we are coming up on our final concert of the season here at Armstrong. This is a piece from the early to mid-20th century by the Brazilian composer Heitor Villa-Lobos. It is the popular aria from Bachianus Brasileiris No. 5, which we have discussed on this program before. The Bacchianus Brasileiras is a set of nine pieces that were meant to fuse the spirit of Brazil with that of Johann Sebastian Bach, Brazilian Bach it might be called. Vila Lobo said that these works, quote, were not intended to be in the style of Bach's music, but an attempt to freely adapt a number of Baroque harmonic and contrapuntal procedures to Brazilian music, unquote. Bachianus Brasileiris No. 5 is the most famous of the nine pieces, and this first movement, titled Aria Cantilena, is the most famous movement of all. Even the title shows the blending of Bach and Brazil, using both the term aria and cantilena to describe this kind of music in both a traditional European way and a folksy Brazilian way. And, as aria or cantilena would suggest, this work is for a singer. The original instrumentation is for soprano and eight celli. However, we are not hearing the original orchestration here. Rather, we are hearing a piano trio, a violin, a cello, and a piano. And we are hearing one of the most sought-after trios in the world, the Eroica Trio. The trio has been lauded by the Wall Street Journal for its technical flair, raw driving energy, and high spirits. The quote continues, The ensemble also has plenty of charm and stage presence. It was obvious that all three musicians were having as much fun as the Carnegie Hall audience.
The New York Times praised the trio for an edge-of-the-seat intensity to every note they produce. And the Eroica Trio will be closing out the 2016-17 concert season here at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, April 27th. This episode will serve as a pre-concert talk for this performance. And this episode will also be our final episode of the second season of Music for Life. So today we will discuss this riveting and passionate trio and the program they will be bringing to Armstrong. As I commonly reiterate on this program, these pre-concert talks of Music for Life are Armstrong Auditorium's equivalent of printed program notes or a pre-concert lecture. For this particular pre-concert talk or for these notes, we will talk specifically about the Eroica Trio and the program for its April 27th performance at Armstrong. Let's talk first about the trio itself. Because the cellist for the trio has performed here before, and because we interviewed her on this program last season, our listeners might be aware of some of this history. The pianist, Erica Nick Renz, and the cellist, Sarah Santambrogio, crossed paths when they were 12 years old. Sarah's father, John Santambrogio, was principal cellist of the St. Louis Symphony and was being recorded by Erica's mother, a Grammy-winning record producer. That working relationship led to Erica studying piano with Sarah Sarah's grandmother, Isabel. A few years later, Sarah met violinist Sarah Parkins, who would later join the trio. In the meantime, at Juilliard, Sarah Santambrogio and Erica Nickrenz performed often together and later formed a trio while there. As the trio's profile reads, This intricate web of early connections helped forge a lifelong bond between the three women of the Eroica Trio, their deeply personal, passionate music-making and uncanny ensemble and chemistry on stage have thrilled audiences worldwide. They took their name from Beethoven's passionate third symphony, subtitled Eroica, which is Italian for heroic. This word aptly reflects the ensemble's approach to music. The trio won the prestigious Nomberg Award, resulting in a highly successful Lincoln Center debut, and has since toured the United States, Europe, and Asia. While maintaining their demanding concert schedule, the Eroica Trio has released eight critically lauded recordings for Angel EMI Classics Records, garnering multiple Grammy nominations. <laughs> ¶¶ 
Again, the trio is comprised of pianist Eric Nickrens, violinist Sarah Parkins, and cellist Sarah Santambrosio. Nickrens, as already mentioned, had a Grammy-winning record producer as her mother. Her father was a violinist and avid chamber music aficionado. She has made a name for herself not only in the world of chamber music, but also as a solo pianist. Parkins is a Grammy-winning violinist awarded for her work with the Angelus Quartet. She also holds the principal second violin position in the Pasadena Symphony Orchestra and performs with the Eclipse Quartet. And Sant'Ambrosio, whom we've discussed at length on this program before, is another Grammy-winning musician. She is from a generation of musicians that dates back 600 years to Italy's St. Ambrose. It will be Sant'Ambrosio's third visit to Armstrong Auditorium. In an interview with one of our concert staff, she said this about her impressions of Armstrong. Oh, it's spectacular. It's really, the acoustics in the hall are unbelievable, but also the beauty of the hall, of the outer, you know, area like the lobby here and also the backstage which to me I really appreciate because I am always looking for inspiration from everything in my surroundings at every moment of every day and so when you're surrounded by beauty you just play better because it inspires you to try to create even more beauty in what you're doing you know so I, I love it I think it's absolutely gorgeous it's astonishing that it's such a great venue is it's kind of like a surprise to it's like this jewel that you find that, that you're not expecting you know and it's it's really i feel like this area is very very fortunate to have such a beautiful hall and just such a great space for making art so that's a little about the Eroica trio and each of its accomplished members next let's talk about the program they will be bringing to armstrong auditorium thursday april 27th which closes the season for armstrong to open the program, they will play the epic masterpiece by J.S. Bach, the Chaconne in D minor. Now, the Chaconne was written originally for unaccompanied violin as part of the Partita number no. 2 for violin in D minor. And we're hearing a sampling of that here by violinist Itzhak Perlman. The Chaconne was the fifth and final movement of this suite, but at 15 minutes, it takes up about half the Partita's total length. It has come to stand as one of the great masterpieces of the violin repertoire and one of the most challenging pieces ever composed for solo violin. The Chaconne's genius is partly based in its simplicity. The work is based on a short chord progression that is then varied dozens of times. My favorite quote about the Chaconne comes from Johannes Brahms, who transcribed this piece for piano to be played by the left hand alone. Brahms wrote this to Clara Schumann about Bach's masterpiece. Quote, The Chaconne is for me one of the most wonderful, incomprehensible pieces of music. On a single staff for a small instrument, the man writes a whole world of the deepest thoughts and the most powerful feelings. If I were to imagine how I might have made, conceived the piece, I know for certain that the overwhelming excitement and awe would have driven me mad." <laughs> Unquote. 
Now, it won't be just the violinist from the Eroica Trio performing this. This work has been arranged for piano trio by Oscar-winning British composer Anne Dudley only the second female composer to win an Academy Award. In addition to several prominent film scores, Dudley has also arranged, orchestrated, and conducted the music to Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance. And here is the Eroica Trio in their recording of this arrangement of Bach's Chacon in D minor.
You are listening to Music for Life on KPCG. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. Today's episode is the final pre-concert talk of the season as we discuss the Eroica Trio and the program for its April 27th performance at Armstrong. That was J.S. Bach's epic Chacon from the violin partita number no. 2 in D minor arranged for the Eroica Trio by Anne Dudley. We just heard a recording of the Eroica Trio there, and that's how the trio will open their concert at Armstrong. Next on the program will be Eitor Villa-Lobos' ever-popular Bachianas Brasileiras No. 5, the aria or cantilena for soprano and eight celli, arranged in this rendition for the piano trio. We already talked about this at the top of the program, so after that, we get to the final piece of the first half, a trio by the Pulitzer Prize-winning American composer, Kevin Putz. A native of St. Louis, go Cardinals, Kevin Putz has been hailed as one of the most important composers of his generation. His compositions have been critically acclaimed for being emotional, compelling, and relevant. He has composed two operas, his first having won the 2012 Pulitzer Prize. He has also composed four symphonies and several concertos. The New York Times praised his newest orchestral work, saying he never disappoints in terms of orchestral coloring, distinctive lyrical style, and passages of intense melodic fire. The Eroica Trio will be performing his Trio Symphonia, which they premiered back in 2007. Putz said he favors using classic terms like symphony and concerto, and that this piece actually closely resembles that of a classical or early romantic symphony in its form. Here's a quote from the composer. I have indeed spent most of my time over the past five or so years writing several concertos and four symphonies, so when I began this piano trio, I found myself once again thinking rather symphonically. I also found I was orchestrating, if this is a term that can be applied to a work for only three instruments, in much the same way I have done in my symphonic works. That is, I was often combining two or even all three instruments to create one sound or texture rather than allowing all three to operate independently of one another, though the latter happens as well. So I decided to call the piece Trio Symphonia, Trio Symphony. This piece is in four movements. The first movement is marked Overture Risoluto, or Resolute. The second is Scherzo Presto Enigmatico, or Enigmatically Fast. The third, Lento Meditativo, or Slow and Meditative. And the fourth, Risoluto Finale, or Resolute Finale, Allegro Molto Energico, or Energetically Very Fast. The composer said this about the piece. The main idea is a resolute, rising figure played in straight quarter notes by the violin at the very opening of the piece. It is ornamented by a simple four-note turn figure, which appears in several guises throughout the piece and forms the basis of the work's energetic finale movement. I decided to open the mercurial scherzo movement, the second movement, with the rising figure's inversion, falling instead. Before reaching its dramatic climax, the lyrical third movement, which I have a recording of here, begins with the pianist playing both the main idea and its inversion simultaneously, creating a mirror-like effect.
The final movement begins with a reprise of the work's opening, but the music takes a different turn this time. This is the description from Kevin Putz's website about this piece. He also writes... One final note, Beethoven's music has been a major influence in all my work since college, and the attentive listener will notice more than one reference to his symphonies. This is the third movement, the slow movement out of four, from Kevin Putz's Trio Symphonia, and this is a live recording from the Eroica Trio.
We just heard the slow third movement of Kevin Putz's Trio Symphonia from a live recording of the Eroica Trio. That four-movement work will end the first half of the Eroica Trio's April 27th performance at Armstrong Auditorium. To open the second half, and to serve as the entirety of the second half, will be Antonin Dvorak's well-known piano trio number no. 4, Opus 90, subtitled The Dumki Trio. This was Dvorak's last piano trio and is considered his finest contribution to the piano trio repertoire. Dvorak was a master at fusing the folk spirit into his compositions, and the Dumki trio is a prime example. Dumki is the plural of Dumka, a Slavic, perhaps specifically Ukrainian, folk ballad marked by stark changes in mood. In each movement, there are drastic and sudden changes in tempo, dynamic, and overall mood. It goes back and forth from lamenting to lively, which suits Dvorak's style quite well anyway. Another unique element to this trio is that it doesn't follow the typical four-movement format. Many assert that this is in six sections, or movements, or six Doomkey episodes. However, they aren't clearly delineated as movements in the traditional sense, and one moves right into the next anyway. And since the members of the Eroica trio say that they really feel like it breaks into five sections mentally, they will list them as five in their program, which is also how they've broken it up in terms of tracks on their album, which includes this work. So we will discuss the Doomkey Trio by Dvorak in terms of the five tracks of the Eroica Trio's album that features this work. This is the first track, or the first of their five sections, on the Eroica Trio's album, which features the Doomkey Trio by Dvorak. Thank you. 
You are listening to Music for Life, and this is KPCG. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. In today's episode, our season finale, we have explored the Eroica Trio and the program for its April 27th season-closing performance at Armstrong Auditorium. More information about this event can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can follow at armstrongaud on Twitter. You can also follow this program on Twitter and Facebook at Music for Life PCG. That was the first section of the Dumki Trio by Antonin Dvorak. This trio isn't in the typical four-movement structure that most trios are in. Rather, Dvorak splits it up into various Dumki episodes. Some count them as six episodes, but the Eroica Trio divides them into five, as can be seen in the track listing of their album, which includes this work, and as can be seen on the printed program for the Eroica concert April 27th. This piece, as the program shows, will comprise the entirety of the second half of the Eroica concert. The characteristic of the Ukraine or Slavic folk ballad known as a dumpka, was its abrupt mood changes. It was typically a somber work with sudden spurts of liveliness. I think you could hear that in the first movement or section. The other movements demonstrate that well, and so for the sake of time, I'm going to skip to the final movement or the final episode of these Dumki episodes in Dvorak's Dumki Trio. Dvorak really leans into this style's melancholy nature, but a lively dance emerges to finish things off. Again, this is a recording of the Eroica Trio, and I hope to see you at Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.